Have you ever wondered whether it's okay to cry as an adult? This episode is a very, very special one. We are going to explore the realm of connecting with yourself so that you can connect with others. You will discover a lot about yourself and you will reflect a lot about your life after listening to this conversation. I have someone very, very special with me today. She is my coach and my mentor. Miranda Rumi is internationally certified coach on emotional healing and also a coach and trainer for conscious communications. Well, let's cue the intro and jump straight into the conversation. So the big question is this, how is it possible that shy and socially awkward individuals like us can have the confidence to approach a stranger and strike a meaningful conversation? To have the ability to network and connect with yourself so that you can network and connect with others. To not only survive, but thrive in this noisy world and be the connector you're meant to be. And at the same time, be the truest, most authentic version of yourself. That's the question and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Ping Hendra and welcome to Network and Connect Podcast. Okay, well, I can say the boring thing. <laughs> say it the boring way where I was born and this and that or or who am I like you know that question is always like very difficult to answer who am I because I'm always in the process of becoming who I am today is not the same as I am I was yesterday but just maybe a yeah. little bit of uh, the facts I was born in Singaraja in the, um, Bali and uh, I Yeah, I went to school. I grew up in Bali. I grew up very simply and humbly. And then when I, I went to Jakarta for high school because my sister lived there and so I lived with her then. And then after that, I guess, um, yeah, my family was able to send me abroad. You know, like we, we came from a very humble family, but I guess throughout my life, they, they earn, they gain more fortune so by the time I was in the, um, after I graduated high school they were able to send me abroad so I went to the States and studied there uh, I guess I was always curious about yeah different things new things so I took um, my major was modern languages so I studied French German and Spanish just because I discovered it was very easy for me and I think I, I, as a, as a grad, like um, an 18 year old, I actually 19 at that time, I had no idea what I wanted. <laughs> so when I got the uh, first experience learning Spanish, I thought, hey, this is easy. This was easy. So I could um, do it quickly. So maybe I can graduate quickly. I didn't know why I wanted to graduate quickly, but I just thought it would be a great idea. So I, with that program, I went um, to different countries. I went to Mexico to Spain, to Germany, uh, yeah, working, living, studying, to study the different languages that I was uh, majoring in. And then I did my MBA. And then after that, my first job was a very low paying job with uh, Club Med. And in fact, that was the only time actually I worked for any other company. I got paid, I remember 200,000 rupees. And that time I had an MBA. So uh, I thought it was funny, but I thought, why not? You know, I still, I was still young and uh, I wanted to experience and I learned a lot. I, everything I know about hospitality, about 
service, about human, uh, about uh, PRing. I learned during the time that I worked there, just through experience. And um, yeah, but it took me a long time to really know myself. So I was I was lost for for the longest time and um, just going with emotion, not really knowing what I really wanted, not really having a clear direction of my life. Just kind of let things happen and and things happened. <laughs> so I was a club man and I came back one day uh, in between assignments and I decided, hey, Bali is a, seems like a good place to live in. And you know, it, I know it's it's my home home uh, place, but still. After having been abroad for quite some time, maybe about seven or eight years at that time. Oh yeah, with Club Med, I also work in Maldives, in Phuket, and in Tahiti. So um, I, I got exposed quite a bit. And uh, so coming to Bali, it's I had a different kind of eyes. I was looking kind of, um, yeah, with somebody looking in the inside. And even though, you know, I was, I was, very you know very Balinese in a way uh, but I was able to see it with fresh eyes and I thought this is a great place to live and I decided to just stay in Bali and um, just taking any opportunities that came up to me so because of my skill I got a job as a uh, a guide a Spanish-speaking guide because at that time there were not very many people in Bali who spoke uh, Spanish so there was a high value to my skill. Uh, so, and, and I, I only do it for about a year or something like that, but I, I made a lot of money. And, and being single and, you know, not, not being married and stuff like that, I, I really enjoyed having the money. <laughs> uh, until it was, yeah, it, it no longer, no longer fulfilled me. Yeah, it just became a job. So it seems to me it would be the, the pattern in my life when it, something no longer fulfilled me. Either I, I get out or something would force me to get out of that. Um, yeah, and, and actually maybe just I just backtracked a little bit. When I came back from the U.S. with the MBA, I had a lot of opportunities. At that time, MBA was still quite rare. So most of my friends, my Indonesian friends who studied in the States, when they came back, the job at banks, at, at least a manager, and eventually they become director of banks, were waiting. But somehow, I couldn't trade uh, my, I guess, my freedom for a nine-to-five job. So I never took any job, in, and also in Jakarta, you know, like I just... I cannot imagine living in that kind of um, very structured, very rigid environment. And, you know, I work for Club Med where, yeah, you, you're you in, in bathing suits most of the time and <laughs> doing activities and uh, meeting people from all over the world. You know, like in, in Club Med, just a little bit about it is that you are, you are the host. So you always expected to eat with the guests at the restaurant and... We had this exact same room like the guests, and, um, and, and when we're not working, we can partake in their uh, myriads of activities. So it was a good life, right? Little money, but good life. Um, yeah, so I couldn't trade that kind of like uh, sense like freedom and autonomy 
to work to nine to five and, and being in a strict, strict place. So anyway, I did the, the guiding for some time and um, I, I used to get a lot of commissions so I could, I could travel with what I earn as a guide. And then it came to an end when I decided that was it. Uh, and then I had this idea, I want to become an exporter. That was like when, when products, when crafts are starting to boom in Bali. A lot of um, people come to Bali to buy and then, you know, to sell again abroad to export. I just thought at that time, that seemed so glamorous. You know, in Bahasa Indonesia, we say it's so keren, right? Uh, it's cool to be an exporter. And I have no idea why, what. And then it happened. A friend from uh, college, from university in the States, suddenly uh, contacted me and said, I have a teacher friend or colleague who wanted to export things from Bali. And she needed an agent. I said, okay, that's it. Okay, I'm going to help. And uh, I didn't know what the product was. And the first product turned out to be shoes. So I learned the rope about first liaising with the shoe product, uh, producer. And then eventually, like, not being satisfied with the products and starting to, to go into the workers directly. And then eventually started my own business. And uh, so, and I stayed with it for 16 years. So I became an exporter of, of um, yeah, fashion shoes, shoes that you beat and put um, embroidery on. And I kind of like became a name for, for shoes, you know, not hugely, but um, some, most, a lot of people know me as the, the shoe lady. So I went that for 16 years and, and I enjoyed that. And, uh, but then it, it came to a point where it was too... I, I didn't enjoy it because I love the art part of it, the art, uh, the, the designing part, but it became just too much of, um, of troubleshooting and thinking how to make sure the export went well and, and just a lot more production and a lot more operational task oriented, which no longer uh, interesting for me. And, and I, I had the idea of quitting a few times but then every time I wanted to quit, there's always a temptation, a new order. And I thought, oh, this is money. <laughs> so I, I would hang on, you know, a year. I think it went from probably about five years. And then finally one day I woke up and I just knew that day, this is the last day I work with shoes. So I did it, you know, and I called my uh, employees. I said, Okay, we're gonna. I'm gonna stop this, and um, I'm going to give. And at that moment, I had like uh, some orders of, because you know when you do exports, it's it go by seasons. So that was like a development time. So we had to make you know some orders and make some samples, and then if the samples uh, were approved, then we're going to go into production. So I even gave all the samples, anything in between, and anything in the process in work to uh, a trusted friend of mine that I I. I trust to continue with the, the same ethics and the same quality. And that's it. I just uh, divide my company and, and share the assets to my staff. And then in the end, what's not taken, what's left over, I just uh, sold it. So that's the end of my exporting business. Right? And okay, before I get, I'm going to get to Toastmasters soon. But anyway, 
I, I really enjoyed that moment when I didn't have to work with a lot of people. Because when I was working and when the company was growing, the focus had become the future of the company or the, the welfare, the livelihood of the people that work for you. You know, I mean, that's part of it as business, but as entrepreneur, you, you never know. There's always risk. Sometimes you make a lot of money and sometimes you have rejects, in my case, that could take a lot of profits away. Rejects in the products that are rejected or, or something wrong with the products. So, but I guess, you know, 16 years, like I, I got used to it, you know, it's it no longer kind of like scared me. Sometimes you don't have money, sometimes you have to borrow money and um, you survive, right? I survived. And then, but you know, when I let all that go and then I started a, a jewelry um, designing and uh, just, just for me. And um, so I bought like everything that I, my business in jewelry was in one duffel bag. Like the, the materials, the tools, the, the, um, the finished products, I could just take in one duffel bag. And for me, that was like such a freedom. After having 40 people working with me, having a huge warehouse and going from season to season, from year to year with uncertainty. And uh, just, I was enjoying for the first time being able to, well, I guess it, I used to be like that anyway, you know, like uh, just me and my, my job, whatever it is. But this time I have full control of the job. So that went on for almost two years and, um, and I never wanted to get big with that, but I, I did like, um, like, yeah, one of a kind jewelry and going to um, fairs and shows and stuff like that. And I, and I made a, a living, enough, good enough living for myself. But it get to a point where like making one person happy because they look good because it makes them feel better or more confident and happy with what they wear, with their appearance, is, was no longer enough for me. It's, uh, I kind of like crave for something more. And along, along the, the process there, I found Toastmasters. And in Toastmasters, I was a very, very bad speaker. I was just, uh, I didn't have any confidence, but somehow... I, I was tired of being not able to speak in that way. So I went there and somehow very soon I realized I love doing this. You know, this is if I can um, give a speech or give a seminar that changed people's life in a deeper way, in a, 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 um, in a more meaningful way, that gives me a different kind of a satisfaction. So that's just uh, developed from there. You know, and, and the, the Toastmasters is like, like a, a river. All I have to do is just be on that river. And they take me down the, the stream, down the, the river. And then I have to do the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And, and then I achieve one level, next level and, and all that. And then I became a trainer just as part of that. Uh, yeah, further down the stream. Uh, I tried and I saw like, well, actually, I'm, I'm not bad. You know, I was not bad. And um, somehow I realized that what I learned in Toastmasters, what, what I had um, honed in Toastmasters already put me above average 
to, to people out there. You know, I look at different people training, a lot of people speaking. I thought, wow, you know, there's so much that I already learned in Toastmasters, not even like, um, like in a, an intensive way, just by coming, doing the projects one by one. Um, so I said, okay, yes, I can do this. You know, somebody asked me to be a trainer. I became a trainer starting, uh, you know, professionally. And then um, that went on for, I think, a couple of years. I, I joined a training company in Jakarta. Uh, yeah, taught companies, taught in public and traveled a little bit with them also. Um, and then what's next? Coaching. Coaching came to me. I was not looking for it. I was, I, I mean, I dabbled a little bit in NLP and um, yeah, through, through my, um, I guess, the, the trainers community. So you get invited to do this and do that and I learned this and that. And, um, and then, um, yeah, you know, like in the, in, the, in the past, maybe even now, but we have those email things, right? And then you get information, this and that. And, and it's quite regular because, you know, there, there's quite a big community. And I, sometimes I look, sometimes, most often I didn't. But that one day, I just, somehow, I just opened that email and it talked about coaching. And up to that point, I never thought about coaching, never had any interest, never even, yeah, had any inkling. But somehow, reading that email, I just thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. And so I signed up. I signed up for a training, a coaching training, an international coaching training. I wasn't even sure what was that, but somehow, and I think this is how my life was. It's kind of like guided in that, and that it took me from one place to the next and the next. And um, uh, yeah, you know, Bing, I I don't have an I don't have a house. I don't have a car. I don't have a savings. I don't have insurance. But I think the amount of money that I spent in learning and studying and, and taking courses and buying books and all that, I probably could have bought a big house, a nice big house with that. But I never had one. <laughs> so it's all in me. <laughs> so I carry my house. I am my house. Yeah, so, so, you know, like that coaching thing, you know, it was not cheap. But uh, I don't, you know, now if I think about it, I can't even think why I decided to do that. Right. Maybe I, I had money at that time and I just like, OK, let's do that. And then um, it took me to a, another place, being a coach and um, uh, being able to coach people at even a deeper level again than when I do in training. Because when I do training, you know, two, three days and a big group, but it's like um, as much interaction as I have it never really uh, went deep enough or, you know, it's, it's enough. But, you know, going into coaching, it's like you i got the um well the, especially the way that i coach you know i coach emotional healing which probably um according to the coaching ethics is not something that you could do as a coach because uh what i learned at that time i know maybe it's changed now but at that time it was anything that touches the realm of emotions you should send the people to psychotherapist or psychiatrist and I worked like that for a bit. You know, I started with executive coaching. And then I, I saw, it's like, okay, I'm just touching the behavior. I'm touching the mindset. But I know there's something deeper than that. That if, um, if I go with them deeper, then they would find the source 
of whatever issue, let's say procrastination, you know, as a coach in the traditional and conventional way, you would try to make them see the issue and then change certain things. But when you go into the emotional, I would look into what caused that in the first place and deal with that. Right. So, um, so yeah, there's something that happened during my practice and, uh, that I said, okay, I'm, I'm just going to go, you know, with my guts and, and help people like that. And that had been very satisfying for me. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite brutally honest when I work with, with coaching, uh, but, but I, I think, you know, um, it is very important that people get to the source of what's causing them pain instead of trying to mitigate pain and trying to, to feel good without acknowledging that pain because all this pain is, is parts of you, parts of us like, you know, different parts. And, and I always make an analogy like this thing. Like if you have a, um, if you're a king or a queen and you have kingdoms, like you have villages, parts of your kingdoms. And then most of us tend to just want to hang out with the, the good, good principalities, you know, the good villages that are successful, looks pretty, looks good, and the people are good. But then there's some further way that is, Maybe, you know, they're not as productive, they're in a dry place, they're fighting with each other, and you're just like, oh, I don't want to see that, you know? You kind of like try to forget it exists, and you neglected them, but they're always fighting, and they're always going to um, gnaw at you, you know, like, um, like peek at you and try, and it's going to bother you, even, you know, maybe in this, uh, the, the, for us, it would be bothering our conscience, Right, making us feel unsatisfied, uncomfortable, and that, and and often we don't want to look at that. We just want to okay, how can I get rid of that, right? And and I've done many different um, modalities, learning different ways, and and I keep coming back to these principles and this kind of work. You have to 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 get out. You have to get through through the pain. Right. And, and I think I've been, I've been very successful. I mean, not me successful, but I know that the process has been very successful um, in helping people transform in a, in a deep way. So, so that's where I'm at. That's a, a pretty long way to get to where we are. Yeah. But <laughs> so, that's good. I like when you say to get out, you have to get through. Mm-hmm. Then it's, uh, that's good. Just like, just like uh, what I've been uh, saying over and over again is you have to win the inner game so that you can win the outer game, right? Uh, for my case, is uh, what what we've been doing is mostly on. I don't want to say it's just mindset because every, everybody talks about mindset. No, but it's it's deeper than that as well. You have to know who you really are because in my opinion, passion it's it's overrated. It's more like what you need to discover who you are, who what you really want to do that goes beyond passion and because of, and then your, your actions will dictate that. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I, I'm very curious um, to listen to you saying that you quit after 16 years, right? Uh, uh, in the, in the, as a shoe exporter, a lot of um, entrepreneurs, especially for us in the Asian culture, 
they tend to stick to that job and it becomes part of their identity to the point where saying that quitting can be judged differently by their family members, by their friends, by whoever saying that, oh, uh, business must not be doing so well because of the, uh, she quit or stuff like that. Do you have that kind of experience being judged by people? And how do you, you know, like want to say, oh, I don't care about that or, or you have completely different um, experience? Oh, okay. Well, I've been judged all my life. <laughs> uh, you know, like, um, it's, some people feel like, uh, if, if I follow that judgment, I probably would feel I have no choice. But just do what, uh, what works or what is accepted, right? And to be honest, I try. But at some point, that part of me that just couldn't live with that, that is too, it gets too painful to decimate yourself, to belittle, to make yourself small so that you feel, you know, like you fit in or that you don't um, uh, bother other people's conscience to, to get along, you know, to be just in peace with everything it becomes too painful because you have to, if it's not really in alignment with what you are, I mean, a part of you just wants to grow, want to um, to expand and, and be more or know more or learn more, experience more. But if you're being um, encapsulated or, or um, caged in that little thing, you know, don't change, you know, just be like everybody else and um, stay, stay the same or stay safe that you, so that you are accepted. You can try. I mean, at some, you know, like, I mean, a lot of people try and a lot of people in the end, they have to numb themselves. They just don't let themselves feel the pain anymore. Okay. Like, and then they said, and then they would justify you know, like justify, well, family is more important, you know, and um, I should, I should make my parents happy and um, I, I shouldn't be selfish, right? And um, I'm already having it much better than other people, you know? So all those things, it's like whenever you start feeling uncomfortable, when you start feeling like, feeling that longing, I want to be able to do more, whether it is, you know, I want to travel more or create something new that is maybe not, have not been tested, have not proven successful, but there's a desire like, yeah, I kind of just want to um, start gardening, right? And, you know, if you come from a Chinese family, you know, they, they would ask you, well, would that make money? <laughs> and maybe you don't know. At that point, you don't know, but but somehow you know you're you're. It makes you happy and it makes you feel like connected. You know, something in you feels feels connected and nourished and and at, uh, at one. You know, aligned. But then you said, well, that's true. This probably won't make me money. I don't know. And then, and then you you allow that voice to, and then your family probably say. <laughs> 
yeah just do this you know like uh, do what is safe what is sure and and you can try and a lot of people end up doing that but if you look deeper into their soul you know you probably cannot see it right away but you know if you dig deeper you can you can sense that they're never really happy with that and they have to sacrifice a lot of themselves and now it becomes a choice you know do you want to continue not truly living or you want to take a risk and whatever that means you know like maybe family would not agree but i think you know most family if they really love you <laughs> if you keep forging and then just um keep doing that maybe they they judge you for a while and then they they don't agree with you and try to change you uh but if you're this why this 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 takes courage and and it's a hard thing to to have to have that courage and just okay this is important for me to go for what is important for you what what means what matters to you yeah and 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 self honesty is needed for this because otherwise you said yeah my family is important or you know like if everybody's happy that i'm also happy i would dig deeper i would ask really is that true do you really feel that right and um, and a lot of uh, yeah i think you know not many people would would want to go that deep and and take courage but i've worked with a lot of people too and when they take that courage you know when they they go for it and um, despite all their fears they become a better person you know like um, they transformed and and those things with family with uh, judgment it would just resolve itself people who care about you um they're going to be there and people who going to judge you and if they don't care about you why would you want to have them in your life that's so true yeah and that is the thing that a lot of people are actually afraid of being judged by people especially people who are really in close proximity most of the best family or or a few best friends and how you how you have the courage as you said have the courage to step out of that and uh have take a stand basically this is something that I, i truly believe in and this is something that i want to do so i commend you for that um uh, for quitting after 16 years i i, I believe it's not easy um as you said that right, you have been uh tempted to quit but then something happens along the way hey say hey say Maybe that is part of you that I don't want to say fear, but it's kind of like a fear, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, when you ask, like, I mean, how did you do that? In a way, it's very easy when when you know, you know. <laughs> and and I didn't have plan B thing. It's not it's not that I know what I was going to do. It's not that I have like a lot of savings, but it's just like this is it. I don't want to live like this anymore. right and then when you get to that point things have become quite clear and then you're you want to do that at any cost yeah uh, but since then i've learned that you never ever going to be forsaken by by god or by your creator that you're it's like um it's not that easy to to break you down i mean the only thing that break you down or or failed you is you when you believe 
that's that's what happened but if you yeah like thinking of there there are two ways of, of looking at things one is like what if you know the bad thing right what if that happens and then the other thing is like well what if the good things happen and then we spend so much more time on imagining what could go wrong, what could go bad, and then trying to strategize around that before it even happened. It takes so much energy, it takes so much energy, so much time. You're trying to avoid the pitfalls, avoid the bad things, and you're just like with every scenarios that you have in your head. Oh, if that happened, I should be ready. I shouldn't do that. And then, you know, like you spend so much time and then, like, you don't have time to be creative. You don't have time to let things happen because you're so busy making, trying to make things happen in your own way, in your very limited capacity, only based on what you know and based on what you read. But what could happen is, like, so much bigger, so much, you know, beyond your imagination. But if you don't have time to even develop that, you know, we have a crisis of imagination. We can only imagine the, the bad scenario, the worst scenarios, but we cannot imagine the good scenarios. Or if we imagine the good scenarios, we feel, oh, but I don't think that could happen. You know, like, I mean, look at my cousin, look at what I did before, I failed. So then you, you're the one who pulled yourself down. It's like a bucket of crabs. You know, when one wants to go out, go up and out, of the bucket, the others are gonna pull them down. But you're the ones who pull them down with all these voices that you have, right? We do, I mean, not you, but we, <laughs> we people. Yeah. So um, this is also very uh, similar to what happened um, to me when when I said, um, I, wanna, I wanna start something on my own. Of, you know, a lot of people were like, don't do that. Yeah, I just apologize and stay put. Too many risks. You, you just have a baby. Uh, at that time, I, I just had a baby. I mean, some of you know, if you've been listening to the podcast, you, you have known the story. So uh, when that happened, then, of course, a lot of confusion started happening to me, right? What if I fail? What if this doesn't go right? What will happen if this happened, right? And then, of course, um, when you're on a pursuit of something, you want to make it bigger, you start to read books, you started to, I would say, overwhelm yourself with too many information and, and these uh, things that you want to achieve is so big and, and so far away that you start to, can I get there? Right? When actually the fact is you just need to do it one step at a time. Don't worry about, like, someone asked me, like, see, how can you manage a... a, a podcast of 50 episodes and I said no I worry about episode 2 and after episode 2 I worry about episode 3 and on and on up to 50 right yeah, yeah. so uh, if, if someone were to because right now you are in the uh, transformation and emotional healing uh, world right I want to ask you let's say if someone have a very big emotional uh, baggage for example uh, in, in this in this world that uh, that I am at it's helping people to overcome shyness Mm -hmm. so that they can actually step out of their comfort zone and interact, at least just interact, get rid of the fear of the what if, 
how how would you do that? I and mean, what's the advice you could give? Okay, all right. Um, if you talk specifically about shyness, if you look at children, if they are they grow up in a healthy environment, if they get good enough parenting, they're not shy. You know, they're they're happy to show off. They love to show off, and uh, and they're being applauded. Their parents would say, "Oh, it's so great!" You know, so that is actually all stepping stones to get them to have that confidence, to feel that they're that they matter, that they exist, that they're worthy, right? And then now, if somebody further down the line became shy. Like maybe at seven years old, years old, you know, like like you know, children children love to chatter. They want to share about everything, everything they see, everything they think, everything they feel, everything they want to share. And if parents cannot understand the importance of that for the child, for acknowledgments of who they are, of their worth, of their loved you know they're, they're they're wanted and that the child can trust that there's somebody out there that they matter to so now if this is disrupted it goes into disorder because parents are too busy or parents say okay later or what is that you know like that sounds so stupid right now you're starting to kill the child's uh, spontaneity, the the child's sense of wonder, the child's um, um, nature, natural nature, which is exuberant, which is uh, like joyful, curious, in wonder and all that, right? And now, if you're not being listened to when you want to chatter like that as a child and or being uh, shut down or being, yeah, put down, shamed, all of those, blamed, criticized, right? And then now, seven-year-old, you're already a quiet person or a shy person. This is not natural. This is the effect of something that was missing, something that was the needs that were not met as a child. You know, the need to be, um, yeah, delighted in, the need to be wanted, uh, the need to matter, you know? Like, I mean, as a child, you are totally dependent. Like, you know, you cannot change your nappies, you cannot feed yourself, you cannot clean yourself. So if, if they, they don't get this sense that somebody's there and loving doing that, you know, they, they already feel something, right? And then now shy. So shyness comes from often not being heard or not being considered or, or often embarrassed, all kinds of things. Right? So when somebody is shy as an adult now, you need kind of like to deconstruct. So what's happening, you know, and, and to do this, like uh, the way that I would do it is, um, so you're in a situation and you feel shy. What is it really happening inside you? You know, how do you feel in the body? What is the emotions that come up? And stay with that discomfort that comes from that shyness. instead of trying not to be shy, right? Trying not to be shy, trying to be, oh, I'm cool. And, you know, some people develop to be a joker. 
Some people develop to, uh, yeah, to attention, to be attention getter or performer or speaker even if they just want attention for themselves, you know. So this is something that needs to be looked at and it's like, you know, pretty personal. Uh, I mean, unique from person to person, but the cause is probably similar. But we cannot just say, oh, yeah, because, you know, my parents didn't give me attention or didn't listen to me. Try to feel that. You're not going to be able to. You kind of have to go through the layers of emotions that that developed out of that, right? So now you're, let's say, back to when you were little, somebody embarrassed you, now you become shy, or, or the opposite could also happen, you know? Like, I mean, a child, like uh, their first cocoon of safety is are their parents, right? And then they feel very safe in their parents. And then when they come out of that, there is kind of like, uh, not suspicious, but just like, oh, this is a new world. I need to be, you know, like curious and safe. And, and it's a very normal process. And if that can be also respected, that they're, they're just coming out of that safe place, right? They're not going to just be like, you know, friendly. And then, you know, sometimes parents like uh, force the kids or say hello, you know, give a kiss and this. And, and if you really think about it, how would a child feel? They have to kiss a stranger. They have to be nice, you know, be nice, shake hands, right? So, so that is actually not, not a good way to treat your kids. Let them come out of their shell or their safety, you know, on stages, respect that instead of like being forced, like, come on, smile, you know, like, I'm sure you've seen that. You, you, you've seen people make their kids do all these things. And, and you know, if, if that happens to me now, I probably did it when I was, you know, younger before I understand all this. But now I would say, no, please, you know, don't force them. That's okay. If they don't want to say hello to me, they don't want to shake hands with me. It's okay. You don't even have to ask them to do that. Right? Because... I, I'm the one who, who needs to earn the trust of that child. And if this process is disrupted and you're forcing and then you shame your child for not being friendly, for not being um, outgoing, for being shy, you kind of like uh, ruin something, a, a process, you know, like a process that is actually very natural. And that could have some kind of effect. Yeah. So whenever somebody now shy or introvert, as you know, and in an adult, we need to understand where does that coming from? How was this created? And then help understand, uh, help the person understand and see how this was created and, and the pain that happened when that, you know, like, I mean, if a child didn't want to shake somebody's hand and they're being forced, there's something that happens inside, right? They cannot trust who they are anymore because the parents doesn't accept, the parents don't accept them as they are and the parents want them to be a different person, sorry, <laughs> a different person, right? So, so this is, um, yeah, there's a lot to be understood. But I think, you know, it's not just about reading the books to understand that. You need to experience that because you need to experience your own childhood, and see what went, um, yeah, what went wrong, <laughs> and uh, what what happened that that became like a trauma. You know, people sometimes when people talk about trauma, they think it's one big thing. 
you know, being raped or having a, uh, you know, in the war or something like that. But this is no less of a trauma when something is being happening, happening again and again and again and again. Right? Just with that, with that, you know, a child being forced to say hello to, you know, the next time you go somewhere else, again, they're being forced to that before the child is ready. And then they may be being shamed because they didn't want to do it. Yeah. And, and a child is like, yeah, it's so precious. Like, like imagine, you know, like a, a baby bird just coming out of the, the just, just hatched, right? Coming out of the egg. You cannot expect that bird to be able to fly or to even lift their head, right? But sometimes humans forget about that. Just because the kids can walk, can stand on their own, and maybe can speak, then they assume the kids can do everything that adults can do. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I, yes, and I'm, I'm guilty of that as well, um, especially right. When I met uh, my friends along the way, for example, on the street, and then I had carried my son, and I tell my son, hey, say hi. And my son, like, didn't respond. I'm like, hey, come on, say hi, say hi. Like, I, I, I am a little bit guilty on that part, and now I'm consciously aware of not doing that. I can just say, oh, he's not in the mood right now, and then yeah. that's it, full stop. Right? Instead of me pushing him to keep on... Yeah, he doesn't have to have a, a reason. He doesn't have to be justified. He doesn't want to. And we need to respect. Right. And, and often parents don't respect their children. They think they know more mm. than their children. And they, yeah, you know, and then they don't respect what the children feels and what the children need. So what the children need might not be what the parents want to give. Right? So you need to be more sensitive and to understand and and actually, it's not, it's not rocket science. You just have to go back into how you felt as a child. And you know, you just need to just uh, remember that, you know. And of course, you probably don't remember now because you have so many other strategies and trying not to feel that. But, but this process, the kind of work that I do is to help people to, to go through that, you know, to understand themselves because they, they, understand, they understand themselves then they would understand other people, they would understand their children. So, like, if, if I'm trying to convince people to, to do the work for themselves, you know, either with me or with others, I said, do it for your children. Because if you suffer now, and you don't do anything about it, your children will suffer like, like how you suffer now, you know? Because they will learn not, not, it's not genetic, it's not just DNA, but they learn your your response to situations that's what they learn because you model them right if something makes you you know like uh, bothers you you get angry and you yell so they will learn that so if something bothers you you yell and you if you beat your wife then they think okay if you're angry you beat your wife right something like that so my mm. my message for parents is this if you if your children have if something is like your children is, is, um, is uh, I would not call even an issue of being difficult or, or being whiny or, or having problems, having issues, fix yourself. 
not your children. You know, like sometimes, like I see parents now sending their kids to psychologists, you know, to therapists. If they're still under, let's say under, I don't know, 17, 18, 20 even, the problem are not with the children. The problems are with the parents. Because however the children turn out to be, the source are from the parents. Yeah, by the time they're 17, 20, you know, you are just seeing the effects of what probably you've done as a parent, you know, like when you're 15 or when, you know, their kids are from anywhere between be, be, under seven. Because seven or eight, that's when they started to have, um, you know, their, their logic developed and they start having analytical thinking and they start to make decisions. But before that, they just follow or they're probably forced to follow, right? Um, so, yeah. So, um, parents, <laughs> tell your par friend who are parents, work on themselves because um, whatever you're experiencing, if you don't work on yourself, your kids will, will ex experience exactly the same and probably worse. Yeah, it's also the same thing with, uh, with connecting with others, right? When you want to... Uh, connect with people, and if you you are not, I I, I say this many times. I said, let's think of your first date, the first time you hang, you you want to go on a first date. What do you do? Of course, you you know do makeup or like go for a haircut and make yourself beautiful and as attractive as possible, so that you you can potentially have a good time. So, and I said, you fix yourself, alter, alter, right? So. If you have to connect on a deeper level, level right, you need to fix yourself as well um, internally sometimes, especially when it comes to meeting. Uh, let's, for example, I have there's one time in a company where I work at, there's this person that has issues with a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people, even though she delivers results and she is one of the best performers, but she just can't work in teams. Right? So one day, um, of course, the, the boss was very concerned and the boss started to, to invite outside speakers and stuff. And our speaker said, if one person doesn't like you, it can be that person's fault. Maybe that person has issues. But if everyone doesn't like you, the problem is with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's when um, she starts to realize, okay, she might not have been doing a a good job in um, in her interpersonal skills and stuff, and that's something that uh, it takes it takes a, someone else oftentimes, or it takes a big disappointment for someone to realize that yeah. at times. Yeah. Mm. Now I want to ask you this: you 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 seem to be really um, experienced in emotional uh, healing, right? Where do you get that from? Uh, through experience or through uh, learning, as you say, you, 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 you invested a lot in, in all these uh, you know, courses and stuff. So where do you get that and, and how did you uh, transform yourself from, you know, just, uh, I, I, I'm quite interested to like, you really go in depth and be really an expert. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I've, I've studied a lot of things, but always like in the end, it's like, uh, there's something missing about this, something missing. So finally... I found, I found my teacher that um, teach very simple thing, feel. 
That's it. Just feel. And at first, like, feel. How is that? And and when when I first started doing this thing, I didn't even I didn't know what feeling is. And most people don't know. You know, they think they're feeling, but they're not. You know, but uh, but they're not really feeling. So I had to learn to breathe. So that I can connect to some feeling or something that changes in the body, or you know, like um, you know, we've done a little bit of work where you feel something's happening, right? Something there's a tightening in the chest. There's kind of like oh, a little bit painful and some pain and this and that. So I had to learn that first, and um, just to know what it means to feel, right? And and I guess now I can look back. I had been numbing myself all through the years, and so so that it's too painful to feel, or it's too painful not to to be wanted or not to be loved. And I mean, I have a, a whole story about not being wanted because my parents wanted, my mom wanted to abort me as a child, and that had a, a big impact at the emotional biology in my emotional biology. You know, as a child, I didn't think about it. My mom was telling me, "Yeah, this is what I did," and I just didn't feel anything. But once I start working on it, I understand what that meant, you know, the, for the emotions, for the, the makeup of who I am and, and, and who I yeah, am, and then had to work through that. So, um, so, yeah, first I learned about how to feel. And then, um, yeah, so if something comes up, just feel. And then eventually I, 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 I understood what that meant to feel when something comes up. You know, you feel a bit... Annoyed, you feel that, you feel. And then so I had to learn to feel angry, anger, what anger does feel. Because, you know, even anger is very hard to feel because a lot of people are afraid to feel anger or feel judged or thinking that they're not going to be able to um, control their self or they're going to be like, you know, looking mad and all that. So uh, anyway, so once I was able to feel, then I was looking at everything that, that bothered me. Like, you know, I had a conversation with somebody or I saw a message or something that somebody, you know, did was just like, oh, there's something uncomfortable. Maybe it could be jealousy. It could be anything, you know, it could be just a message that, oh, that doesn't feel good. Or somebody said something or didn't do anything or didn't do or do, did something. So I learned to start just feeling that. So when something bothered me, I just allow myself to feel and, and uh, when I allow myself to feel, then I could, you know, like sometimes I cry and, and these things start coming back, you know, the, the memories. Oh, it's connected to something slightly before that or before that or before that. You know, so let's say something bothered me now. I'm, I'm, I'm 58 now. But um, let's say, oh, like a sir, you know, like a, I was in a restaurant and, it, and the, rest, the, the surfer didn't serve me well. Yeah, for let's let's take that kind of like an event, you know. So it bothered you, and and you know, like um, a lot of people, and I've seen people do that. They would want to blame the surfer, right? They would say, you know, you're, uh, yeah, you should do better. You don't know who I am, da 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 da, right? Um, and you feel, and then you know, like now, if now that I know about this process, I would go into like, hmm, why am I angry? I ask myself, instead of spending time trying to correct the other person or telling my friend, look at that guy, you know, like, I mean, he, he didn't, you know, do things well. How could he work there? 
you know, without any training and just on and on and on and going into the stories, right? But with understanding this process, I mean, in you know, in the beginning, it's not that easy and quickly. Uh, but now, um, that's where I start learning. Like, okay, so what is it that really bothered me? Okay, something that he did. Oh, I kind of feel like I was slighted, as if I was not important. Right? Now you're starting to go a little bit deeper. Ah, so there's a sense that I was not important. And I allow myself to feel that, feeling that I was not, in, you know, that pain. And then once you start going deeper than, you know, like um, images or, you know, like um, something came up and, and there's another event. And that event always connected to what you're feeling at that moment. So the, the theme is similar. You know, the event may be totally different, but underneath that, something about not feeling important or somebody, yeah, dismissing you or, or making you feel that, yeah, you unworthy or just not important that you don't matter somehow. Yeah. So then going into that. So I became my own laboratory. So what I understood, what I teach, what I do now is because I've done it. So, so, and there's so many emotions, so many um, signature feelings to emotions, sensations and like feeling, like say, I feel like I have no choice. You can feel that. There is, a, there is a signature feeling to that. I am mad. I am envious at the, or, or anything, you know, basically any thought that you have as an emotion. And, and that helped me to, to, um, to build the, the repertoire and also the, the, the knowingness in the body. This is what is going on. Yeah, it's not that I'm angry because that person doesn't serve me well but I'm angry because somehow it touched a wound inside me where I felt I was not important. So, ah, okay, so I work on that. I work on that, deconstruct, going deeper and deeper until I find, you know, as, getting as closer, as close as possible to the source, feel the pain, cry about it, and then that's when you can release it. Then next time somebody didn't serve me well, it doesn't bother me, Yeah. Another, maybe just a quick example, is like road rage, right? You drive and then somebody take you over and then push you to the side. And then, of course, you like, yeah, you, you have expletives coming out of your mouth and ears. And then, um, so when I, it's, it's, a very, it's kind of like similar with this thing. You know, when that happened and I noticed like, yeah, they think I'm not important. You know, they think they own the road and da, da, da. But I allow myself to feel, yeah, I felt like, they just didn't uh, respect me, you know, for example, like that. And I work through that. And when it's gone, now I'm on the road, somebody take me over and I just go to the side. I'm not even thinking about it. I didn't waste any time, like uh, making stories about what the, you know, what the elf is he doing and why shouldn't you do that? Right? I just like, okay, he wants to go for fast. I mean, he wants to go first. Okay, no problem. I'm, you know, I can go to the side. And then the thought that came probably like, ah, maybe he has somebody that, you know, at the hospital that he, he, he needs to go to. Just like that and it's done. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not uh, taken away uh, by the, the stories, the thoughts and the anger, which takes so much energy and, and time. Then I can just still enjoy my, my ride. 
and not losing time in being upset. Hmm. A lot of people think of that. I mean, it's kind of like uh, managing your own ego, I guess. Is that is that accurate or no? No, I don't like the word manage. I don't like the word control because you don't have to. Okay. Manage. Yeah. The fact right. that you're angry, it's it's another thing with your ego. You know, like um, mm. you're hurt. <laughs> There's somebody, something in, in, it's like a flashback. A flashback to an emotional hurt. That's all it is. Right? Mm. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe some other time we can talk about understanding the needs. Because basically everything we do is an attempt to meet needs. And whenever, whenever we feel any, any unpleasant emotions, sad, anger, um, scared, anything that is unpleasant, there's always a need that is not being met. Mm-hmm. And then if we can just find what that is and connect with the is, things are becoming very clear. But if it's not met, you're going to continue being, being in a bad mood or in a bad emotions. And you know, like, um, and you're trying hard to meet that need uh, through other mm. people, usually through other people, through situations. That's why you get upset when people don't do what you want, and then uh, you want to change them. That's because there's a need in you that was not met, and you think that the other person should change so that you it it's, uh, it meets your need. And you can say, well, that's like trying to to uh, um, fulfill your ego. It's only looking like that because you don't understand what is going on inside you. So you think like, you know, and when you're not, you know, that need wasn't met, the, the, how would I say, the manifestation of it is like, give me, give me, give me. Would you call that selfish? Most people would call that selfish, but, but it's just a state, a situation because they feel like they don't get it. You know, they don't have that. And But if they can release that, that hungry grasping, then they don't, uh, they, they're not going to, um, they can, you know, like they have a completely different relationship to that need. They can have it, they don't have it. It's okay, because life is like that. You're not, you're not going to always have exactly what you want, how you want it right there, right? But if you think you have to go towards that all the time, you're gonna you're gonna go crazy. You're gonna get sick, and you're gonna go crazy. See, because uh, you have you know pivoted to a completely different direction. Uh, like uh, I mean, I took a bunch of notes of your uh, professional uh, your life. I don't want to say professional, but your life uh-huh. from being a. Uh, uh, so a tour age from being a tour uh, guide, Spanish speaking guide or mucho gusto, uh, and then all the way to being a chief exporter to jewelry designer to coaching and 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 postmasters and all that, you've been like pivoting and pivoting and pivoting, right? So, what is the advice that you can give to those people that are currently seem lost? They wanted to pivot, but they don't. I don't want to say the word there but they are uncertain whether this is the right way to go or hmm, should I just, I have been thinking about this. Maybe I should just, you know, go for it, but I don't want to lose this. 
whatever that I'm working on right now. You have done that, right? Yeah. So, um, what's the advice that you can give to others? Okay. Yes. Uh, my advice is actually quite easy, but I mean, um, it's it's hard for people to let go of their fear. Yeah. Um, you know, you already touched it and you said, should I just go for it? I would say, just go for it. <laughs> that would be so easy. <laughs> Because then you know, then you will know whether it's right or wrong, right? And 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 you never lost because you will learn something along the way. It's not that you know, never is going to be a wasted time if you take action, right? When you take action, you're going to you think, okay, you're going to go that way. You're going to prepare. You're going to do something. You're going to make effort. Right? So you, you gain something along the way. And then you get there and then you realize, well, this is not really what I want. It's okay. But whatever you gain, the, the skill, the understanding, the maturity, you can use, take it with you for the next thing. And then when you say, well, they're afraid to lose that one thing. This requires perspective and requires self-honesty and then... Um, like deep questioning of your motivation. Mm. I mean, if, if we can talk about need, I mean, now, now it's not the time, but um, maybe another time we can talk about that. And uh, understanding need is very, very important because your, your need, like people have a, such a, um, yeah, people don't have understanding about needs. Most people don't. So they do things without really knowing why they're doing things, right? When you say they're hanging on things, but they don't even know why they're hanging on those things. And they think, mm. well, this is a little pleasure. This gives me a little bit of pleasure. Uh, while it might be true, they don't have perspective. What, what more could there be? What more could they have if they let go of that one? So if you just focus on that, oh, I don't want to let that go. I don't want to let go. Question yourself. You know, like go deeper. Why don't I want to let that go? What do I get by hanging on to that? You know, so so that's a question that I use a lot. What do you get out of doing what you're doing or not doing what you're doing? Not not doing what you're not doing. Right? And then it's like, ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of scared that maybe they're not going to like me anymore or mm. something or other. Yeah, but even just understanding that, even if you're not making a, you know, like you don't change your behavior, but at least you it will be, be conscious that you are making that choice to hang on to that mm. instead of thinking that you have no choice, that I have to hang on to that. Yeah, so, uh, you know, like when, if you, if we have conversation or if I have conversation with people, I question their have-tos a lot when they say, but I have to. I said, really? Do you have to? Let's look into that deeper. And then they, you know, like, but I have no choice. I said, let's look deeper into that. Is that true that you have no choice? Even your choice not to make a change Mm, uh, to continue with your fear, continue to suffer, continue to be abused, it is a choice. Because if you really look at it, if you get out of that, yeah, you know, mm, 
maybe you're going to be afraid, maybe you're going to be chased, maybe your family won't accept you, and that is, it's, it's too much for you. So you choose with whatever you think is better for you, you know, that works for you. So, but the choice is there. It's always there. So, uh, so when people want to leap, yeah, I mean, now at my age, I think I know more, right? I know a lot more than people half my age. And um, I'd say, don't waste time suffering. And another thing being, having pain is inevitable, right? When you're not in alignment, you know, heart, mind, and body, you know, your mind wants something and your heart wants something else, you're going to feel pain. But mm. suffering, so pain is inevitable, but suffering is a choice. Right? So when you feel pain, you have a choice at that moment to do something about it. But if you're going to ignore it and then like um, just continue with that, not doing something, then you're going to suffer. So suffer is like, you know, long-term pain, basically. So that is a choice because you could have done something. Even just to investigate, ask yourself questions and um, yeah. But, but I think most importantly, ask questions. Don't, don't just agree with any assumption or any thought you have. Ask, question your thought. <laughs> question your thought because if you look at it and then this is what I would say imagine would a two-year-old have that thought mm. if it if it you if uh, if they don't that means that thought is learned or somebody taught you that thought so question that is that true yeah pain is inevitable but suffering is a choice mm -hmm. perfect uh, this is this is great, um, and I also tell uh, people before uh, I, I did a meditation before about this. Someone uh, she doesn't uh, she said that she wants to go out overseas and 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 uh, travel and stuff. After deeper question, uh, question why why why? She said that uh, at the end of the day, it's about she can't stay in Bali because of her family. It's a way for her to escape the current pain. So I told her, like, okay, I want you to imagine this pen, mm -hmm. and you hold on to it, and these are all your your anger and your frustration and and, and whatever, all your um, disappointments with your parents, with your brothers and stuff. Okay, and I want you to let it go right now. She couldn't. It's incredible. She's like, I tried to let go, but I couldn't. But I couldn't. And I said, yes, you couldn't let it go because you haven't, you haven't forgiven, right? You are asking for apology, but in fact, you should be the one forgiving. I said, saying sorry is saying sorry is a two-way street because when you say sorry, you expect a forgiveness. You expect the person to say, oh, okay, I, I, I forgive you. But if you say, I forgive you, please forgive me, that's it. That's why I told her and I said, um, you, you may try to start with your mom. Just go to her and say, I forgive you, mom, I forgive you. Please forgive me. I'd like to have a better uh, mother-daughter relationship. Just say that. If she don't accept it, but at least you let it go. You're going to feel much better. 
Mm. Right? After this conversation with me and you, I'm going to check out on her, see if she did that. <laughs> because I, I haven't got a chance to ask her that. Yeah. But it is, and I, I told her this, if you don't, if you don't open up your hand and give, you cannot receive because you've been holding on to this thing that, so you cannot receive new things. Yeah. Well. Whatever that is. Uh, well, uh, Ping, this, the subject of forgiveness is something that is, um, uh, you know, something that I could have a, a long conversation with because I disagree with the way people look at forgiveness and forgiveness is not that light and people think like they can, they can forgive with their mind and it's not possible, you know, and, and I don't even think uh, forgiveness is necessary because forgiveness is, it's, uh, sorry, it's not that forgiveness is not necessary, but forgiveness is not an action. To forgive is not really an action, but rather it's a result. So, uh, and, and I always say people forgive too quickly before they really forgive here. So you cannot just say, okay, I decide to forgive. It's not enough because it's still here, right? And, and there's another way when, when forgiveness becomes, an, becomes a non-issue is when you really allow yourself to feel the hurt. Because, um, you know, what, what many parents do to children are actually very hurting. When you allow yourself to feel the hurt, you feel the pain, you cry it out, something is cleansed inside you. That thing leaves you. And when that leaves you, forgiveness happens. You don't have to think about it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of like a very, a bit radical but, um, you know, like if you actually experience that, you will understand what this really means. And then there's also two sides of that, forgiveness and repentance. Because if you had been hurt, yeah, and, and as a children, like I would say 99.9% of population, they have hurt. With the best intentions of their parents, they can still be hurt. Right, because it's not like a parent said, "Yeah, but I didn't try to hurt you." But the feeling inside, I was hurt. My parents was gone at that moment. They, I feel abandoned. You know, so that's true. You know, that's your feelings, right? So uh, anyway, so so now there's that hurt, and if you can feel that hurt until you're really done with it and you really release it, cry it out, and and really re-experience that, so that it can really leave you then there's nothing to forgive. You will literally see the other person as just a person. You know, they're doing their stuff because whatever their, you know, whatever their, their stuff is, that caused them to do that. But you're no longer seeing it as, um, as they're trying to hurt you or, or something like that. Yeah, so it's just gone. So, but if you don't go through that process inevitably when you're hurt and you don't release that you're going to carry that hurt inside of you and i don't know if you've ever experienced but when you're hurt you kind of like want to hurt somebody else mm. there's a sense like oh you did that to mm -hmm. me you know i'm going mm. to do something i know i want you to know how i feel you know maybe you're not like mm. constantly mm. wanting to hurt but i know i want you to know how i feel so maybe you do the tit for tat if somebody does something and then you kind of like give them a silent treatment so that they feel like, you know, 
you're hurt somehow, even though if you do, cannot say it. So when you're hurt and you don't want to feel it, you will hurt somebody else. That is a given. That is inevitable, right? Mm. And then the process of like experiencing that forgiveness, if you're an adult, now you can see what you also have done to others as a result of you not forgiving, right? Because you haven't released that hurt. When you still carry that hurt, it's like, it's like, oh, okay, you judge people, you blame people, you push them away, you do all those things, right? You make them feel bad. <laughs> That's a very common thing, right? So now, once you can feel the hurt that was done to you, now you can feel also the, 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 the hurt that you've done to people. And that is called repentance. Yeah, you feel the sorrow. Wow, now I can understand the pain they're feeling of the result, as a result of what I've done. You know, maybe the words I say, maybe the action I take, or maybe I was, yeah, punishing them by moving away from them, by ignoring them, you know, things like that. And, and this is when, when magic happens, you know, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, yeah. I can talk about that, like, you know, more, so <laughs> different one. Yeah. But I just when, when, when I had, yeah. help you understand about this forgiveness. It's not that simple and it's yeah. not that easy. It's not yeah. just forgive, you know, forgive and forget. And I know it's, it's not possible until you've done the work. Yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, those people and, go and, it's it's a very common mm -hmm. thing, you know, because now when you're away, then you don't have these uh, uh, issues, or you know, you're not in the triggered all the time. You feel a lot more peace. But the minute you come home, it happened again, because family is that sticky, you know, sticky thing. You cannot just mm -hmm. put distance. You have to do your work to, and and family is where where the the wounding happened the most, and and sadly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I when we had this conversation earlier with, with her, she cried like uh like crazy and I told her I said you the moment you cried it means you realize something and it's it's a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. A lot of people a lot of people uh said when I'm uh, crying it's because it's uh, it's shameful to cry. No. You I cried it, you cried you will have a breakthrough after you cry most of the time. Yeah. Yeah, when that realization happened, when that release happened, when the truth dropped, you will cry. And and I really, really encourage people to cry more. There's so much grief in us, so much pain that has not been released. Yeah, so I'm I'm very, very happy to hear that you also um promoting <laughs> crying. <laughs> yeah, you'll have a lot of people I, I I want to ask you this, but I'm not sure if I should ask. Since we are in this forgiveness uh, topic, because just now earlier you mentioned that um, you 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 kind of knew that your your parents wants to abort you when you were when you were baby, right? So when when you first heard of that news, um, I don't know how you felt. I'm, I don't know if you felt nothing or you felt anger or something. And then when you actually realized. This, I mean, after you go deeper into this um, uh, this topic, um, how does that make you feel? Do you do you did you cry and then you forgive, or or you just like 
you know, like rip a bandage and bye bye. I, I, I don't even want to think about it anymore. Um, well, I guess it mattered where it happened, okay, in my life. So when it was first told to me, I didn't feel anything. I just thought, you know, that's thing that happened and my mom didn't have any emotion about that. I didn't have any emotion about that. But that just showed the numbness of both of us. Like my mother mm. didn't feel anything wrong about doing that. You know, she thought that was just like uh, circumstantial and she wasn't happy in her life and she didn't want to have another child. So she just wanted to abort. So and I was just like, OK, it's just like a story, you know, like any story. Right. And then once I start doing working and understanding the effect of that, you know, the effect of me not being wanted and, and seeing how that played out in my life. Right. In the, um, yeah, the, the lack of confidence, the feel that I don't belong, the feel that people don't really want me. You know, that's just that deep, deep feeling. Yeah. So, so I had to work a lot through that. Yeah. Uh, because, because it was really affecting my life. You know, I mean, I, relationships, uh, my sense of worth, my sense of self, that was really, really, um, how do you say? Yeah, a hard, hard hit in a way. And, and, and the, the effect is very deep and long. Right? I think, I don't think, uh, you know, I, I start really working on it until I was 50, this, this issue of worth, this issue of, um, yeah, that mattering or that, that I, I exist or that I belong or that I deserve and all those things. So what happened when I start realizing that, but by the time I realized that I've done a lot of work, so I was just looking at things and I had gone through the, the emotions of anger towards my mom, you know, by that time. Um, so, and, and the thing is with anger is like this, even, even if I'm already done, you know, like, I mean, I no longer felt the, the anger towards my mom and actually my anger towards my mom had nothing to do with this, this, you know, the abortion. It's, it's about, yeah, just the, the emotional neglect, the emotional abuse and some physical abuse and all that. Um, so when I, uh, realized that, then I went through the, the terror, the feeling of fear and then understanding why I didn't feel close to my parents, you know, because, um, I, I couldn't feel the love, you know, there was no love in it. Right. And, um, so, and, and I accept that, you know, like, I mean, luckily I didn't, I didn't feel like I have to, um, like like family is the most important thing or I have to, uh, to uh, put family first, you know? And, and I'm kind of lucky because my, the, the abuse that I experienced was, was obvious, right? There's some, you know, if it's not obvious, it's going to be very confusing. So let's say the parents are feeling like that, but then they say nice things, you know? They do nice things, but then the emotion is not there. The, the parents were never there. And, and manipulative and all that, that is going to create a, a much more confusion. So by, by that time, I've already, um, yeah, no longer angry, even though I could still feel anger, if you understand what I mean. So the, the feeling, you know, the, the, the experience of feeling emotions is about you just feeling the emotions. And when you're truly feeling it, there is no subject and there's no object. You're not angry at something. You're not angry because something. It's just a trigger 
But once you get into the feeling of the anger, it's just the emotion, right? So I could still feel some emotion, some anger, some fears, whenever, you know, like that. And then just like, like the shocked that, you know, the act of that is kind of like a cold blood murder because you intentionally want to kill somebody, you know, and it's even in a way it's kind of worse than, than just having a quick abortion, even though the intention is similar. But, but in my case, it was because um, uh, my mom was like, uh, she didn't want to use any any medication because she's afraid if it failed, then she would be saddled with uh, an imperfect, defect child, right? So she would jump from the, the bunk bed, like on, on the second, you know, the, the top bunk bed, just going down like that, you know, for months. For months, right? So, like, um, it was like, yeah, and but but because I'm already you know went through all this work, I was just like seeing, wow, that is the extent of of emotion that people can can go through, and and for me, uh, I almost get that sense of um, like uh, the experience of that, you know, like one day at the end of the day when she stopped doing that, I would feel like ah, I could breathe, you know, I'm safe. <laughs> that kind of a thing. And then the next day it's going to start again. <laughs> then not knowing, you know, like, um, and all that. But, but yeah, so I was not too judgmental about it, you know, by that time. And, um, and, and the thing is with all this work, what, what came is like that kind of um, a universal kind of love rather than, than like, you know, I want my mother's love, you know, it's like a specialness and that kind of thing. It's just like, Wow, seeing people as they are, you know, like uh, seeing these people, that people, and um, that they come with their own stuff. It's their pain that caused them to do that. But, you know, if I'm working with people, if I'm coaching with people, I said, don't go into that justification too quickly before you have felt your emotions, because then you're not going to feel it. Then, you know, like, oh, but, you know, I cannot be angry at her because, um, you know, she's just trying to do her best and uh, she didn't know any better, right? So, so and that's that's a hard part of, of the coaching for me, you know, when, when the, because people don't want to feel angry and they feel like they, they betray their parents' love and all those things. <laughs> Does that answer your question, Ping? I mean, the, it was not an easy <laughs> question to answer like you know, give a straight answer to. Yeah, because it's 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 layers and layers uh, deeper, and I'm very sure that um, the 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 questions I mean the questions that I asked you and the, all the answers that you have given me will help a lot of other people that are listening right now. Mm-hmm. So if uh, they were to uh, if they wanted to work with you, perhaps for um, some kind of um, anger issues or maybe like forgiveness. Um, how 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 can they how can they reach out to you? I think the easiest way is just find me on Instagram. You know, my name is mm-hmm. Miranda Rumi. I think you probably didn't mention that. My full name is Miranda Rumi, and just find me in Instagram and and message me there or message me through Facebook. Um, same name or LinkedIn. You know, I'm Great. I'm not very active, but I can get the message. <laughs> yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, 
So um, for those of you listening, if you are interested in working with uh, Miranda or even have a chat, have a, have a nice, uh, I would say like 20, 30 minute chat to see if if you guys are perfect fit for each other, I will leave the link down below in the description. Uh, you can have a look um, and then, um, you know, get be transformed as I would have. So I want to share with you a little bit of the story of uh, me and Miranda. We had a, a very, very short 30 minutes uh, talk, right? So after, um, so we started, uh, she started asking me like, what's going on with my life? And I said, everything is fine. Everything's great. And then she said, really? So everything is perfect for you. So th- there's nothing going on. And I said, uh, nothing going on. Then I, then I started say like, you know, I think I have my guard up at that time. And I said, well, not really. <laughs> and I started sharing about, uh, you know, uh, my, the timing, about uh, work and my, my son, my wife and stuff. And then she immediately told me, uh, you know, share with me what uh, you've just heard. And the moment I'm done with the, the session, I immediately turn off my, uh, my computer and I head home and I play with my son undisturbed. Um, for for a long time and I put my phone aside for the first time in months. I put my phone aside and I don't touch my phone until he sleeps. Well, no, no, no. I, 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 take, a, I take a photo of me playing my son and I send it to her um, and I said, this is what I did and then I don't touch my phone anymore until until he fell asleep. And I felt amazing. Mm. And it's just in that short 30-minute session, imagine what would happen if you had, uh, you know, you have whatever unresolved issues and she works with you. And it would be amazing um, if you could, can just chat with her and I'll leave the description down below. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Miranda, thank you so much for your time um, and for sharing everything um, with us, uh, including your, your story, your very, very deep personal stories. Um, we, we couldn't be more thankful for you. Okay, well, so, thank, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I really enjoy, you know, sharing this because I feel like a lot of people had suffered and in silence because they feel like they cannot share this or nobody would understand that. But I would say to you all that whatever you're going through, you're sharing that with so many people and, and by speaking up, by seeking answers or, yeah, looking, you know, like hearing and, and saying it. It's, it's going to help you a lot more. But um, don't suffer longer than you need to. Don't suffer one minute longer than you need to. Okay? Mm. My love. And also, she, I'm looking forward to, yeah, hearing from yeah. you. Any questions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, another, another thing that I want to share also, uh, I, I don't know if, if you catch on to that. She is a distinguished Toastmaster. Uh, so perhaps Miranda, you can share uh, a little bit about Toastmaster so that they are more aware of what Toastmaster is and how it can help them, um, you know, in their life. Okay. Well, now we're touching a subject that is a big passion for me. Toastmaster. Why is Toastmaster so important? But first of all, what is it, Toastmaster? And I hope you you put a link about Toastmasters links uh, things so that people can start understanding. So Toastmasters, um, remember if you listen to me that I said after I give up my business and then I was doing the jewelry and then I started feeling like I wanted to be able to affect more people or, or Toastmasters taught me to do that. So Toastmasters is like this, this 
community, this organization that help people to, for lack of a better word, to develop themselves by learning to communicate and that gives them the, their voice. So, so many people cannot speak up or afraid to speak because they think they don't know, you know, they don't know how to say it or they think that nobody's going to hear it. And, um, and Toastmasters kind of like answer that. I mean, the, the, some people think of Toastmasters as like a place to learn public speaking, but that's just like a very, very small portion of it because uh, it, give, it has a methods that just work, somehow work to help people come out of their shell and start to practice on, and learn to speak. Just speak. And then the, the important thing is that you are heard. You are heard. You are going to be heard whatever you say. You are going to be heard in, in a very structured manner, of course, you know, so you, know, you cannot just talk for hours and people will listen. But because it's uh, timed and it's structured and then you also are given manuals to learn how to speak, then you also learn how to speak in a way that gets to the point and not going all over the place. Because I'm sure you've heard people who just talk and talk and then, you know, it bores you to death. But like this, you practice, you learn. There are, you know, different um, tracks or different paths that you can actually go deeper in, whether it be effective coaching, whether it's a presentation or persuasive influence if you want to learn how to persuade people or go into sales. So, so there's so many things there, uh, there, but essentially it hones your communication skills so that you can uh, express your voice. And your voice, by voice I mean what is inside you. Not just speaking, but also say things that truly matter to you and to be heard in that. And I recommend Toastmasters to all my clients, my coaching clients, my emotional healing coaching clients, because most people experience the wounds of not being heard. And it's such a big hole in everybody's soul, not being heard. And Toastmasters, by being heard, as, uh, by, you know, there's a group, there are people who are members who are going to listen and take turns, you know, expressing themselves. Listen without judgment. Listen without... Um, yeah, like um, evaluating that, you know, you're this or that, but just because everybody has gone through that. So we learn to listen without, without uh, making, you know, judgment or thinking people in this way and just being very supportive of each other because we know that we also, you know, went through that and, and benefited so much by having positive support, by not judgmental issue, um, um, attitude and also uh, being safe to express yourself and to make mistakes. So I hope you come and uh, visit Toastmasters um, organization or clubs wherever you are. But if you're in Bali, Ping and I belong to the same club and you can look us up. I'm sure Ping will give you some information. So yes, Toastmasters. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for sharing about Toastmasters. I'm going to put the link also in the description down below so you can have a look. And I'll also give you, uh, put some maybe YouTube links on what is Toastmasters, uh, the more structured way um, that is the, the, I would say, the, the, the that is published by Toastmasters itself. Uh, it will be much more 
uh, it much more professional. But what uh, Miranda explained earlier is the personal side, and I believe personal side is always better than the professional structure side because we've we've gone through that. And he's been in Toastmaster for how long, now, Miranda? Twelve years. Twelve years. Twelve years. Twelve years. So you can you you know how how much he loves Toastmaster because he is here in Toastmaster for twelve years, right? A big commitment. Yeah, I'm so, able to speak. Thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much yeah. for having me. And uh, thank you. Bye.